Our Father and our God, such searching questions. We were there when you were nailed to the tree because it was our sins that sent you to the cross. The greater question is, were we there when you rose up from the grave? For those who have died in Christ Jesus have risen with him also. Oh Lord, this is a wonderful celebration because of the end result, although we weep for the process. Thank you for gathering us today. May Christ be exalted. In his holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Most everyone likes an insider's view of what's going on. You go to an athletic game, football game, halftime, a reporter comes up and shoves a mic in the face of the coach that's now 30 points behind and the game is only halfway over. And said, what were you thinking when you threw that pass and the other guy intercepted it and scored a touchdown? What were you thinking? We'd like to know the thought process. Or perhaps you, you think of a movie and you, I, I love to watch the behind the scenes. Some people say, oh, that destroys the movie for me. No, not for me. I love to see the workings, the director's cut. Why did you do that? Why did you cut this? Why did you put this in? What were you trying to say in all of this? We love an insider's take. How about an insider's take on the cross? For we have one. We have the cross through the eyes of Christ. The Bible tells us when Jesus was on the cross, he spoke seven words, statements, sayings. And in those statements, we have a view and understanding of what Christ is experiencing at the moment and indeed what he's going to accomplish forever. He spoke seven short, significant, poignant statements. They're not all recorded in one gospel. You take the four gospels and together you find all seven. For instance, Matthew and Mark only give us one while Luke and John give us three. But these statements disclose and reveal to us things that happened on the cross that we never would have known had we only taken a human view of what had taken place. The words contain no bitterness. They have no complaint. The first three actually focus on his love for other people. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Today, he said to the thief, you will be with me in paradise. And he said to his own mom standing at the cross, behold your son, pointing to the apostle John. Jesus was in charge of his mom. He was the oldest son. His dad was gone, and he was now giving that authority over to his dear friend John. The middle sayings talk about the suffering and agony of the cross. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And I thirst. But I want to focus on the sixth saying on the cross. We find it in John's Gospel, chapter 19 and verse 30. The words are on the screen. 
Jesus had said, I thirst, and they offered him some vinegar. It was a poor man's wine. Soldiers would drink it. He denied it earlier on, most likely because he wanted to be in charge of all of his senses. The drink was something of a narcotic offered to him at the beginning. But also the Roman soldiers knew that if he would take a little bit of liquid, then perhaps his body would linger a little more on the cross. So it was not an act of kindness. It was, it was an attempt to increase his suffering. But he took the drink at the end, and then right after he took the drink, he said, it is finished. Jesus said, it is finished, and with that he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. <laughs> the old King James says, I love that, gave up the ghost which means he released his spirit. When you and I die, we don't release our spirit, but Jesus had total control. He gave himself up to die, and he yielded his spirit to death. Otherwise, the prince of life never would have died. It is finished. Actually, it's one word in the original Greek, tetelestai. It comes from a word that's used about 26 times, teleo, and that's where we get our English word, Telescope. Teleo means to finish or to bring something to its proper conclusion. And a telescope is something that brings faraway things close, unless you look in the wrong end. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? When people look at Jesus Christ, they look through the telescope of the view of people the opinions of men, they look through the telescope at Christ from the wrong end, and he looks distant and small. But if you look at Christ through the telescope of the word of God, he's magnified, he's defined, he's explained, and he is large, for he is God. But this word is a very expressive word. To tell us that it means the account has been paid. In fact, accountants would use this term on the side of the debt ledger when all had been satisfied. But it's also amazing that this word, it is completed, is in, not trying to be too technical, in the perfect tense, which means something has happened once in time with ongoing effects. For instance, if I open the door and leave it open, it remains open. I open the door once, it stays open. Jesus died and said, it is finished. And that completion has ongoing effects forever. Now we ask the question, what? What was finished when Jesus cried out near the end of his experience on the cross? What was finished? Well, first of all, his mercy had come to an end, or his misery, excuse me, had come to an end. His mercy never comes to an end, but his misery did. When we think of the suffering of Christ on the cross, we read it in all four of the Gospels. We think of the beatings he endured, and we think of the crown of thorns. We think of the soldier's whip. We think of the pierced hands and the spear in the side. We think of the agony of hanging on nails. 
And, and the Roman soldiers did all they could to increase that agony because execution by crucifixion was to be the most heinous form of death known to man. And Jesus gave him up, gave himself up to be crucified. Really, the greater suffering of Christ on the cross Greater than physical is the spiritual suffering when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Trinity split. In a moment in time, God the Father and God the Spirit turned their back on God the Son and he was abandoned on the cross. You say, why? Because he who knew no sin was made a sin offering for us. All of our iniquity on him was laid in a moment on the cross. But when he said, it is finished, it was time for him to be reunited with the Father. It was time for his physical suffering to end. Everyone was surprised that he was dead. The soldiers would come through and break the legs of those who were crucified on the cross so they couldn't push up anymore to, to gain some air into their lungs and they had to get them off the cross by the Sabbath. But Jesus was already dead so they didn't break his legs fulfilling another portion of scripture. But his misery was done. But that's not all. It is finished means that his mission his mission was accomplished. You say, what mission are we talking about? Well, it's the mission of redemption. To buy back something. It's, it's the mission of salvation. To rescue someone. The scripture is abundantly clear. I'm reading from Hebrews chapter 10. When Christ came into the world, he said... Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you've prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Referring to the old covenant with the animal sacrifices that for a time would atone for sin, but never take them away. But a body you prepared for me, Jesus said. Therefore, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll, and he's quoting from the book of Psalms, I have come to do your will, my God. This body will complete your mission. We read in the scriptures in Luke 19 in verse 10, for the Son of Man, another name for Jesus, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And that was mentioned right after he had won a tax collector to himself. He had won someone that was so hated that most people, especially religious people, thought that he was beyond saving. But Jesus came to seek out the lost. When he came, he came out of love. For God so loved the world that he sent his son into the world. He was on a mission to rescue and to save. In fact, John 3.16 talks about the love of God and whoever believes in Christ will not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for Christ came into the world not to condemn the world because the world was already condemned. He came to save the world. You and I don't have to do anything 
to be condemned, we were born that way. You say, well, that's not very fair. I agree. Except you and I don't have a part in it. And when we make a decision, we always make a decision based on our own interests. When you look at it from God's viewpoint, it is the most gracious thing that God ever did. Because Adam and Eve represented us in the garden, and they disobeyed God's command. And by one man sinning, the whole world became sinners, and the wages of sin is death. And so we were under the condemnation of God from the get-go. But you know why that's so merciful? Because one man can represent us in salvation, and that one man is Jesus Christ. I suppose if all of us had sinned ourselves, had to make our decision, and we would have all sinned, maybe we would need more saviors. I don't know. But he let one person represent us in sin, so one, purpose, one person could represent us in life. That's the man, Christ Jesus, who's God in the flesh. It's the most merciful thing God could ever do. I'm condemned already, but Jesus has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So what happened on the cross? Jesus took our sin upon himself. Pastor Keith read a moment ago from the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah presents these, presents these two pictures, this idea of suffering and this idea of atonement. Jesus on the cross had no form nor comeliness there was no beauty in him that we would desire him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was like the sheep before its shears. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, oppressed and afflicted, made his grave with the thieves and the rich in his death. Cut off from the land of the living. All of that grief and that misery. But why did he do it? His mission? For the transgression of my people he was stricken. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the thing that would bring us peace, the chastisement of our peace was laid on him. So at the very end of this wonderful prophecy, Isaiah 53, my righteous servant will justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. And when he died on the cross... In a holy and righteous way, God did not overlook sin. He made his son pay for sin. And that's the cruelty of this Friday that we call good. The end result is our salvation. It is finished. Mission accomplished. At the intersection of the cross, justice and love meet. And our salvation has been made secure. And now the invitation goes out to as many as received him, to those individuals he gives the right to be called the children of God. We're children of God in a sense by right of creation, but we're not children of God in the sense of salvation until we put our faith and trust in him, until we embrace him, until we believe on him. And when we do, 
the one who was given a body to be our sin offering, gives us salvation. Isaac Watts said, not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace or wash away the stain. But Christ, the heavenly lamb, takes all our sins away. A sacrifice beyond compare with richer blood than they. On this Good Friday in the year 2023, there are few people in our society who like the true mission of the cross. They don't like the blood, they don't like the gore, they don't like the suffering, and hey, that's bad stuff. But it was the only way for us to be redeemed. And Christ was willing to pray that, pay that price. Years ago, when they used to have comics in the newspapers, years ago when they used to have newspapers, <laughs> and they had comics in the newspapers, one of my favorite was one called BC. Remember that? Little caveman, written by Johnny Hart. Came to find out that Johnny Hart was a believer who lived in New York and taught Sunday school class at his church. And he just decided that every Easter and Christmas, he would turn BC, the comic strip, into a pulpit. Oh, he was hated for it. Los Angeles Times wouldn't run his comics. They'll run everything else under the sun, but not a message about the cross. And one of my favorites is he's got Wiley. Remember him? Uh, scraggy beard, peg leg, thinks he's a poet, sitting under a tree, writing on a stone. And this is what he said. Now, who can call Good Friday good? A term too oft misunderstood. You who were bought by the blood of his cross, you can call Good Friday good. It's an oxymoron. Good Friday? Yeah, it's good because it is finished. And all has been paid to redeem your soul and mine. Except he says, believe. Nothing in my hands I bring, no merit do I own. Simply to thy cross I cling. And Jesus makes me his. Rembrandt has a famous painting of the three crosses, cross of Christ and the two thieves crucified that day. Obviously, the painting is a masterpiece. It's a Rembrandt, and in the center, all eyes are drawn to the cross of Jesus. And he has artfully painted the faces of the crowd, vivid expressions. You can see them at the foot of the cross, some with anger and some with disbelief and some with tears. But if you look at the edge of the painting, almost hidden in the background, most people believe that Rembrandt painted himself. Why? Because he realized his sins put Jesus on the cross. It's not so much the Jewish leaders who put him on the cross. It's not so much the Romans who killed him. It's not so much Judas who betrayed him. It's you and me. Our sins nailed him to the tree. Were you there? Yes, you were. 
But praise God, you can be there at the resurrection too. For all who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ are made anew. If any person believes in Christ, if any person's in Christ, they're new creations. Old things are passed away, all things become new. We've been planted together with him in his death. We'll be raised together with him in his resurrection. And how exciting is that? When Abraham Lincoln died, was assassinated, there was a train that took his body all the way to Springfield, Illinois for burial. And on the way, it stopped in different places. And it went through Albany, New York. And the story goes that there was a woman there who was a slave, had been a slave. And the crowd was so great that it was hard for her to see the procession. But she took her little boy and lifted him up above the crowd and said, See him. He died for you to give us freedom. And I tell you, Jesus Christ has been lifted up so that you might see him. He died for you, and he died for me to give us freedom. Don't let this Good Friday pass without the wonderful good effects of forgiveness and salvation being brought to your heart by the merciful Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so glad it is finished. I'm so glad that your mission was accomplished. You paid the penalty for our sin. Nothing more can be added. It's been accomplished. And now you call us to turn from our sin and to trust you. To leave all other gods and to worship you. And today we gather to celebrate what you accomplished for our sins on the cross. Oh Lord, may we make it personal today in Jesus' name, amen.